Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Rose and Shine podcast featuring the Swedish sisters Josephine Roos and Victoria Roos-Solson. Based in Stockholm and New York, we share experiences from our international lives and careers. Good morning, this is Josephine from New York. And good afternoon, this is Victoria sending from Stockholm. So today we're going to speak about one a favorite topic of ours, which is <laughs> culture shock and working yeah. across working across different cultures. It could be teams or or countries. Yeah, so we're going to share from our different experiences and actually key insights and learnings we've had from. I mean, how many countries have we lived in between the two of us? Quite a few, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that, that's quite a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're going to count them now. No, let's just say <laughs> 20, something like that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we've been part of teams and we've been leading teams. So, yeah, we're going to share some of the experiences that we have from that. Yeah, excellent. So... Before we start, you know, it's a lovely afternoon here in Stockholm and beautiful fall colors. I guess you have the same in New York, right? Yeah, finally, it's like really crisp in the air and really cold. I was saying to Steve yesterday, I'm so happy that it's finally this autumn feeling. And he said, you and your seasons, you really need them, right? (laughs) (laughs) I really do. It's so nice that it's changing. Well, I'm not sure I need all the seasons. I love seasons, but, you know, certain aspects of them. Anyway, so this is beautiful, the perfect season of fall, I would say. But I was thinking this morning how much I really miss you. And and preparing for this wonderful topic of cultures and everything, I was just thinking for myself that this is the downside of of living and experiencing in different countries and cultures that you don't get to live close to the ones that you love yeah i don't think we've lived in the same country since you were 10 wow i mean apart from a couple of years here and there right no that's true yeah no that's really the downside of living abroad um, and traveling a lot um at least now in new york i feel a little bit closer because at least it's a direct flight but um, yeah i know Oh, the aim is still to land in Europe someday and uh, just have a two-hour flight maximum. Yeah, that would be brilliant. <laughs> but yeah. in any way, it's great that we have this podcast, so we have our weekly chat properly. Um, but let's get into the topic now. And, and we were talking about leading and working in multicultural teams. And obviously, you are in the melting pot right now of all of that, working for the UN. So just... <laughs> Tell me a little bit. Yeah, well, it was funny. I was sitting with my with my team, just a small part of my team the other day, and we were having our weekly branch meeting. 
And I was just looking around the room and I realized that we were, from, I had to write it down after us. We're from the US, Turkey, Gambia, Sudan, Japan, Korea, Italy, China, and Sweden. Yeah. That's... All in the same room. That's how many we were. We were all just different nationalities. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, and, and it's fantastic that it is so multicultural. Still at the UN, though, I probably feel less of a culture shock than, than many other places because I think you kind of adapt more of a UN culture. So people come together and, and you don't feel so much the cultural differences as you might do. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. I mean... I'm thinking, and it's funny because when I worked in Dubai, we would say that we were like a mini UN, right? Because <laughs> in the organization where I worked, we had 98 different nationalities. And in the team that I led, we had 14 different nationalities just in our own team. You said 98? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, imagine, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I upped that statistic by being like one of the few Swedes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we were a few Swedes. And exactly what you were saying, I mean, having worked in in different countries, such as, um, you know, China and Holland and France and everything, you really get and you adapt that culture. Mm -hmm. But now when you live in a place like that, where there are so many words like a melting pot, you kind of create your own culture of that organization or that team, etc. And I guess that's what happens at the UN, right? The same thing. Yeah, no, exactly. I think you become very... Um, you become more and more in sync with each other. I mean, you certainly see different nationalities coming through. Yeah. But I think that's even more with the diplomats that kind of keep their nationalities quite strong. Yeah. And I think the UN staffers have a little bit more of a international, multicultural way of being or culture. And I guess it's also the role of the diplomats, right? To stand up for exactly. their different exactly yeah, yeah but so if we're talking i mean un and, and dubai aside super multicultural what was sort of i mean we said the theme would be working with different team multicultural teams and also culture shops etc what's been the most different culture for you to work in well so certainly it's been i was gonna say certainly it's been myanmar but I do have a, a story from when Steve and I were in South Sudan and, you know, we, we walked across a field early in the morning to like attend the church service. We got to sit in front of this whole service, mm -hmm. I guess, because we were foreigners, we were white, we were outsiders. So we got to sit there in front guests, maybe. <laughs> and guests, but, yeah. you know, we were all very, you know. <laughs> Very exotic, I think. Yeah. And then after the ceremony, we were taken into this little hut mm -hmm. uh, where women were normally not allowed. But yeah. I was given an exception. You were not really a proper woman, probably. Exactly. <laughs> and we were sitting down there and they were about to serve us a meal. And, and a couple of women enter on their knees with the food for us. Uh -huh. And they start serving the food, which is all cow intestines. Oh. And at this point, I'm like, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> um, I managed to like squeeze out um, <laughs> and kind of leave it up. That was to, pretty quick. That though. was quick. Yeah. And, and Steve um, has to kind of be the brave person who's <laughs> going to eat these intestines. And I see on his face as he dig into this and he eats it. <laughs> 
and poo comes out or something comes out of the intestine that he's eating. Oh, no. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> um, so that was probably, but that's more, that's less leading a team and more of a, of a cultural shock. Yeah. But that's probably like the furthest away from home that I have been. Feeling yet. Oh, um, that just reminds me of another crazy story. I think food, that's also a really important part of, of culture. Exactly. And actually, I'm just going to add that story about, since we're on the food topic now, but... When I was living in China, and this was in 97 and 98, I mean, it was not that many Westerners living there. So you could only, unless you spoke Chinese, go to a certain number of restaurants that had their menus in, in English. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to order, really. Uh-huh. So anyway, I would go with my Chinese colleagues to this lovely Chinese restaurant and have lovely, delicious food. Uh, which only had a Chinese menu. And then our brother and uh, Andreas, my fiancé at the time, husband today, came to visit. So I thought, let's go to that place so we get to experience this like proper, nice uh-huh. Chinese culture, not made for a Westerners kind of thing. Yeah. So I asked my colleague, I said, can you just write a little note and you say, hey, they have however much money it was, like $10 or something to spend on a meal and they would just like to get a little bit of general things from your menu mm-hmm. you know for, because everything that we'd eaten there was really good yeah so we come there with this note and like smiling and ni hao and everything <laughs> and, and we go and we hand over the note and there is this excitement going on in this restaurant and I'm like okay that's not really maybe the reaction that I was waiting for and then they started You know, the chef, we see him leaving the kitchen, leaving the restaurant, going out, doing like some shopping probably. And it took forever before the food came in, which normally it used to be really quick. And then all this stuff came on the table that was not at all what we had normally when we were at this restaurant. Yeah. It was like these black jelly eggs kind of things, chicken uh, feet and yeah. all that weird stuff. And it was such a... <laughs> I was excited. I'm like, okay, everyone just try to eat, you know, because they obviously really wanted to put on like the best thing for us. And they were so excited and so happy. Uh, and it was just a mega culture shock as well. But your friend, so your friend just kind of went bananas with writing that letter? Or? No, no, I don't think. But, you know, I yeah, I guess maybe they said. <laughs> Maybe maybe it wasn't my friend Maria's trying to <laughs> welcome to China <laughs> give her something. Um, yeah. Well, so that was a, a fun um, experience, and I, I, I definitely think that food is something that is quite culturally related, so to say. Don't you think? Exactly. And sometimes you can kind of blame I'm a vegetarian or, or go crazy, and mm-hmm. then sometimes you really just have to actually, you know, do it in order to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to stick it through. But then sometimes you can have a husband and you can kind of say, he can do it. And <laughs> yeah. I am not going to do it. So were we for this feminist positive moment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very. Well, you can have a wife as well. Yeah. Just another. or Someone you know, braver than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone to push into it. Mm. Go 
going back to leading, like working with a multicultural team or, mm-hmm. or in different cultures rather, because yeah. what I was going to say was probably um, the experience, or was for sure the experience of working in Myanmar uh-huh. and leading a team there that are from a different culture than you. Mm-hmm. So they are all from the same culture. Yeah. But from different ethnicities, which in Myanmar, it's very, you know, everybody is aware where they are from in the country. And, and that has different implications in terms which of... Which is interesting because you were not so aware of all those things, right? Yeah, not in the start, no. right? Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. And you don't really understand necessarily the kind of implications that that have. Yeah. So mm-hmm. leading uh, uh, people from a different culture than yours and, and different ethnicities, you really have to be quite aware, I think. Yeah, be aware of what, really? Well, you need to be aware about the sensitivities between these different nationalities or ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And you might also need to be aware, well, you need to be aware that everything is not being told to you as it is. For sure. Mm-hmm. So there's a division of something called high context cultures mm-hmm. where a lot is happening under the surface you have like the visual of this is a, it's a duck swimming in a pond right yeah. and it looks really tranquil and, and nice but actually there's a lot of work going on under the surface yeah and to generalize asian contexts are often seen as these high context cultures yeah whereas western contexts are more seen as low culture contexts where we are a little bit more inclined to tell things as they are right? yeah. as it is oh my goodness yeah i have thousands of examples <laughs> and learning experiences based on this yeah for sure exactly and what comes with the high context cultures is also a lot of face saving yeah talk about that a moment because i think for those who haven't really experienced that that's that's something really really different yeah i mean well the face saving i mean that could be really really quite big right i mean i you would see it in kind of diplomatic relationships or so like there is a need to to have an out or you know to be able to because you could not basically just say no into someone's face exactly uh, so you will go ahead and say that you will be doing something that you won't be doing yeah and you are aware of that and all of your team or on your side knows about it yeah but as the outsider boss or, or manager or supervisor you think that you have agreed on to something yeah that they're going to do basically oh, i'm just gonna add a little story here that immediately comes to mind so when i was leading this team with all different nationalities i would you know there were with some of the different people in the team i would just feel that okay i thought we'd agreed on doing things and i was all like okay great we we spoke about it in the meeting we agreed and and then nothing happened and i was like this is really frustrating and it continued and then i was because we really did have a lot of trainings also on how to deal with different cultures etc and I went on a training for different cultures for managers and they were saying, yeah, you know how the word uh, or the meaning like I will do that actually means quite differently from depending on where you're from. Yeah. So and she said highest on the rank on the scale, like from zero where it means 
no, I just a polite way of saying no to 10. Of course, it's going to be done within the next hour. And she said, like, on the 10, we have all the Scandinavian countries. And I'm nodding like, yeah, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then on like where it's, no, this is a nice way you can't in front of the entire group, in front, you know, of your manager, tell him or her that, no, I, I don't know or I can't or I don't have time. So it's just a polite way of really saying no. And here we have, and she was pointing out to some of the Asian countries that were also reporting into me. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so now I get it. That's why we, you know, and that completely changed my way how I work with delegation, really. Yeah. Not in a group or just let's agree with this, but we really spoke about it. And I, I had to take you know, more time in really making sure that we all agreed and it was understood and that no one felt bad asking for support if that was needed, etc. Yeah. That was a big eye-opener. Yeah, no, and I mean, in, in the Spanish language, and I think especially in Latin America, it depends where you are in Latin America, but basically the word ahora, now, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean now. Like, so when you, re it's like when someone really means now, it's like ahora, ahora, like now, now. You, can, you really need to like, when is now? if someone says that they're going to do something ahora like that's very yeah it's not clear no oh. but I wrote down a couple of kind of key points that I brought with me from trying to lead a team in Myanmar and mm -hmm. the first point was really I think it's to start with yourself and be adaptive definitely I think it's really naive to come into another culture and say you know this is my leadership style or you know mm -hmm. this is how I do things can I just um, add that I think that would go for any kind of different culture, even mm. organizational cultures, etc. Just go in with your way. It's take a little bit of time to tune in, right? And understand what's the culture I'm now entering before you go yeah. on with your style, right? Absolutely. My second point on the list would be to try to say as much as possible that is needed to be said in person. Mm. Even more than, than just in person, because like what we just talked about in terms of the, the high context and low context, you could still get a yes if you say it in person, which yeah. means a no. Yeah. But try to be as clear and concrete as possible. Uh, sometimes in Myanmar, you would see foreigners coming in and, and they would work with teams and they will they will provide really abstract concepts and mm -hmm. talk about things really abstractly. And many people in Myanmar are not trained to think that way. Like they can be super smart and, and really amazing at their job, but they might not have been trained in their school system to really go through abstract concepts. Mm. So you need to make sure that you can provide examples that are concrete yeah. and concrete mm -hmm. concepts. And give examples that are related to where they live. Like this is like in the rainy season where you need to do this and that. And yeah, because you can't be outside or mm -hmm. provide those kind of examples. Yeah. And then a bit related or at least a huge challenge that we did. So I don't know if I have the, the concrete tips for it. But in terms of things being said in person, we worked with the U.S. It was really a U.S. NGO that I was working for. Mm -hmm. And the time difference... Can you say what an NGO is? Because I think a lot of people don't really know. Yeah, so it's a non-governmental organization. So we were working on uh, supporting peace and conflict in, in Myanmar, right? And it's yeah. not for profit. No. And it's a huge challenge because the time difference is just so different. It's a 12-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. So you could never, you never work at the same time. Uh, with the team in the US. So how did you solve that then? Uh, you know, me having conversations in pajamas uh, from home. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which yeah. never really leads to super productive kind of work meetings or the US team in pajamas like yeah, one of yeah. us were always uh, we do that too a lot in the Franklin Covey world yeah yeah definitely. but it works okay with <laughs> us but I don't think that the Myanmar team got a lot of connection with the with the US team yeah so there was always a quite a big distance mm. and a lack of understanding between the two teams mm. And then I think it's really important to be aware of your own cultural profile. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> what's your own, what's our own cultural profile then? Well, you know, I would say direct. They would maybe say impolite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you say direct in comparison to Myanmar. But now if you compare it to like other cultures, would you say that you are as a Swede direct if you compare to the Danes or to the Americans or, um, you know... Yeah, that's a good point. I think you worked with the Danes. They're more direct than us, right? Yes. <laughs> I had a culture shock only being, you know, going to Denmark. And I, I think it's important to see that, you know, culture shocks, you know, also different cities in the same country. There will be a different way of doing things and a different routine and different culture. So not just think about it in direction towards one specific culture, but yeah. really explore, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And and directness is always happening at these different levels. Yeah. So I'm saying now direct in a work context in terms of, you know, I would like you to deliver this. Can you give it to me by this time? Yeah. But they are, you know, I mean, different cultures are incredibly direct in other ways where we are much more around the yeah. surface. I, re I remember us coming back from, we'd been to um, New Zealand where my husband is from for Christmas. Yeah. And we were coming back to one of the Um, like there was a big hotel in, in Myanmar traders where we'd go for you know internet and, and coffee and and there was a lovely um what do you call it porcher like the person who kind of opens the door and, and carries bags and yeah, so on doorman or the concierge yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. so he was always there you know really lovely and he, he knew us at this point and and we were talking with Steve and he's like Yeah, you know, I had quite a lot of food this Christmas. I wonder if I gained a bit of weight. And this guy sees us and runs up to us and says to Steve, Hi, you are so fat! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God. But, you know, you that know? actually, that happened to me too. In Dubai, coming into a training room and, you know, walking around and, and greeting the people in different classes and everything. Yeah. And I remember, you know... And and one person just sort of raised his hand. Oh, Miss Victoria, so lovely to see you. You look so fat. Yeah. <laughs> and my trainer in the team which was like oh you know I thought you know she just really looked like she wanted to die but you know then that was great we could talk about all right so that's great thank you very much and in Myanmar for this person yeah. it certainly meant a positive you are so prosperous yeah like yeah so it really has a positive connotation and i think it has that connotation in many places outside of europe or the western world i would want some more of that <laughs> well i don't know i remember in, in latin america people comment a lot on your on your weight right like if you go up and down yeah. it's, it's i mean like being fat is a positive thing oh yeah yeah okay yeah no, that was, that was that's what i'm looking for not so much the comment but you know the, the feeling that you know 
appreciate a bit of rondeur kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then to, to go back to your cultural profile, um, I think that we are quite, you know, punctual is quite a Northern European characteristic. Definitely. And I think being aware about of that and also not getting so annoyed and impatient. You know, you can have other things maybe to do or prepare while while you're waiting for your teammates to be there uh-huh. and you can maybe start to have a more flexible schedule and all of these different things. Yeah. Other things would probably be that I would expect people to speak up but would learn over time. And feel comfortable to do that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Because that's how we are, you know. So I think that is my advice as a leader. You need to create that culture if you do lead teams with different cultures, whether you're in your home country or you're somewhere else or even not only leading teams, but going out for dinner with people, etc. Create the environment where it feels safe and it feels great to be able to speak up and that there's no sort of negative consequences that could be shocking for people, really. Yeah, exactly. So that building of trust is super important. Mm. And then related to that, is trying to understand their perspective and understand their team dynamics. That's what I mentioned in the beginning with the different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. But I remember being in in Rakhine State in Myanmar, which now unfortunately is quite famous across the world because of all of the horrible uh, massacres that have taken place there. And this was in 2012 and it was just in the start of this most recent phase of, of violence, you could say. And I was working with a team there all from Myanmar mm-hmm. and, and trying to understand what were the different local conflict dynamics going on. Yeah. And I had this workshop with them and I was quite shocked by a lot of the perspectives that came from them mm-hmm. because I was also quite new to the context and I thought that, you know, the staff was working for an international organization. So I thought that we would have more of a similar perspective on it, which we didn't at all. But then after the workshop, In the evening, in a completely different context where this person felt safe, one of the team members would come up to me and say, this is actually how I think. Mm. But I cannot say these things to the team because I'm not from Rakhine. I'm from Yangon. They will not, you know, respect me or or accept what I'm saying. Mm. So I can only share it to you now. So... Yeah, it's about understanding the dynamics that go on and then maybe provide for other opportunities to get information or build trust or one-on-one. I think, you know, that's one of the key things and which is also one of the perfect and or important things why it is really a great learning experience to go and live and work in a different country because you, you get challenged on, you know, you think this is the way things are, right? Yeah. You know, you're brought up and you've seen the ways and you see this is your paradigm and everything. And then you're kind of challenged in a completely different way. And yeah. people are like, no, this is not the way <laughs> things are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that kind of makes you a little bit humble and see, all right. So I'm married with someone from a different culture. Yeah. So <laughs> I know that too. Yeah. So you want um, to share about that? <laughs> no, but, no, but just saying that it makes you more open, I think. Yeah. It makes you yeah. realize that some of the things that you believe, this is just the way that it's supposed to be. Yeah. For good or bad, you become more open-minded yeah. and learn new things. Yeah, definitely. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So that actually, you know, that's a great list. Thank you I very have one, much. I have one more point. Absolutely final. How do you? And it's, it's just... <laughs> no, but it's great. I like your list. It's just to yeah. recognize that you're an outsider. Okay. Especially when you are in, in a place like Myanmar, right? It might not be... The truth for every kind of um, I was gonna say that doesn't sound too positive you know no no it's not maybe too positive but I think that you need to recognize that and I think that one way for example that this came up very clearly in Myanmar as a supervisor as a boss as a manager as a foreigner you are seen as a patron you are the person that they will come to if they have a medical challenge in their family. Mm -hmm. To the extent that, for example, one of, of my husband's employees needed oxygen for his mother to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> and salaries are, are not necessarily enough for that. And then they expect you to provide that support. Yeah. And so you, you have a different relationship with your team. Yeah. That is, I guess, also working with cultures that are very different from your own. And I think it's important. You can have a culture shock if you just move across the country or, or to a different country. Yeah. But I think so. You're absolutely right in a way. And in another way, I think an insight that I've had, because I've obviously then trained and developed, just like you, so many different nationalities. Mm. Sometimes I get the question, you know, there's certain core trainings that I've done on perhaps at least 50 different nationalities. Mm. Like, how do people think? Are they, you know, aren't there big differences? Because depending on from where people come. And I, I see it almost like on 
three levels. Like first you have the superficial level where it's not so much a difference. And by the way, this is no scientific research. It's just from my own experience. So I'd be happy to hear what you think. But, you know, we're all kind of alike. You are at the UN. We're discussing. There's so many things that are alike. Mm -hmm. And then you go below one level and then here comes all the differences and, and the things that you've sort of mentioned. And you can be completely shocked because there are things that are, you know, completely different. Mm. But then, in my viewpoint, if you go further down to sort of deeper values than that, I see that then we're pretty much alike. Yeah. You know, you know, we our basic needs of what's really important on on love and creation and, and things like achievement and everything and your values, we are not that different, I would say. No, and I agree with that. I think that when you get to the human connection, there we are very much the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that might still be a little bit different from the kind of the leading part, like how you lead. It might, might still be different. But yes, I think in the end, people are very similar and we should try to connect on that level. Yeah, definitely. But so I think before we kind of close this episode, we should just touch on the, the topic of, of culture shocks and really see because it's it's a natural process that it's almost like you, you have to go through it and parts of it can be hilarious and fun and others can be, you know, less fun and a little bit more frustrating. Mm. So I thought, let me just go through the phases of a culture shock. Yep. And we can think of them as in moving to a new country or moving to a new family. I mean, I certainly had a big culture shock when I went as a 17-year-old to live in an American family as a year as an exchange student, you know, lovely family. But I went through all these phases. That's actually where I learned about culture shock in the first place. I was wondering where you're going to go with moving into a new family. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but and, and also, most important, maybe even also moving into a new organization, you know, a, yeah. in a new industry or maybe even the same industry. But anyway, the phases of a culture shock, the first phase is the honeymoon, right? Mm -hmm. And even so, I till this day, I remember so clearly my host mom in Kansas, you know, the, and I was just so happy about so many things, uh, you know, being in this new high school and everything and completely different from my normal lifestyle in Stockholm where I took the metro to school and here, you know, we were on the cornfields uh, driving in the pickup truck to school it was just so different anyway so I had a great time in the beginning and then one day it just kind of hit me and I was like this is awful and I miss yeah. everyone and it's just like and she goes oh honey the honeymoon is over <laughs> you know and I was like oh that's kind of sad I like the honeymoon yeah. but where everything is new and exciting yeah. and everything so that's the first phase okay. and then you unfortunately dip into the frustration phase mm, yeah and i hear on your mm. nothing works <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like oh because i remember mom loving Myanmar when i got there and then it's like oh it's just a rainy season and nothing works and no one understands exactly and, yeah. and 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 you're completely happy when you go there and then you know Oh, all these things and you feel misunderstood and you start to miss, you know, the normal things and can't anyone just understand you and everything. And that could so totally be the same within a new job, right? Yeah, 
definitely yeah it yeah. really relates to work yeah most likely mm. you know and and you have all these experiences and and you're and you need to go through it and i guess you need to see also for me it always helped when you can when you do feel bad that you can relate it back to some kind of theory and go oh yeah i'm in the frustration phase <laughs> and it immediately feels much better because you know it's part of the normal process right yeah Yeah. Yeah. So the good thing is that once you leave the frustration and and manage to get crawl yourself out of there because that's <laughs> ultimately what you need to do if you're going to stay. I guess some people do stay there a little bit too long, but then you go on to the adjustment. Yeah. Do you, any uh, examples that come to mind to you on on adjustment or um not top of mind. I think for me, it's like, okay, maybe then you start to get invited to someone's home and you have dinner with them or you start to learn the language or yeah. you can actually have a laugh with someone about that you get the joke around the lunch table at work, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, And and you start to see, all right, so maybe that's the way they do their PowerPoint slides over here or that's the way you invite people to meetings and everything and you start to get it which makes everything so much easier right you you understand these little ticks of the culture which makes you get on with the real thing as in getting to know people or doing your job or experiencing the country etc yeah absolutely no but it's really good to keep these four in mind i think it's uh, it's really helpful uh, whether you are in a new place or in your work like in a new work culture Um, because it kind of helps you accept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's the fourth phase, right? Yeah. Acceptance. And I think that sounds a little bit, I would write, if I could, I would rename the, the last phase <laughs> acceptance because it sounds so like, it's like tolerance. It's, like you're giving uh, in. Yeah, I've given in. All right, let's just do this thing. Yeah. Where I would say more like enjoyment or learning or, you know, like being part of it and yeah. maximizing or, or something like that rather. Yeah. I think we or should a, rename it. Assimilate. <laughs> Thing. I don't know if that's a positive yeah. word, but yeah, becoming part of the culture. Yeah, yeah, and and doing that. So that I think is it's good whenever you do change to do have a look at that. And then we have, I guess, the ironic thing is that there is a, a phenomena called reverse culture shock. <laughs> And that's once you've you've done all of this, you've done, you are in acceptance, you're really enjoying, and then you're going back to your old friends or colleagues or country, and then you experience a reverse culture shock. And it's even worse, <laughs> because that's like where you don't fit in anywhere any longer, <laughs> which I think happens to a lot of people that live abroad. Like you do yeah. have a sense of like, where do I fit in now? Yeah. And I mean... You have a strong culture shock uh, or a reverse culture shock experience that you want to share? Well, I have two good examples. One was when I came back from China and I went back to Holland where I lived between my management traineeship. That's the reason I was in China. Yeah. And all my really good friends from Holland came to pick me up at the airport. And said, and, you're so fat. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But on the contrary, so here I was, you know, having spent and sort of getting adjusted to the lovely sort of softer Asian way of being. Yeah. And here, all these tall, grand, beautiful Dutch women, you know, they were like, Wah! 
it's super loud and hugging me and I think they brought things to the airport and they were all excited and they wanted to immediately on the airport say you know have a deep talk about all details of private life right <laughs> and I was like whoa <laughs> let me breathe this is you know it's so happy to see them and at the same time I was just so overwhelmed yeah. after this sort of more quiet relaxed way oh wow what about you no I have one which is quite relatively recent and it was a uh, Still in Myanmar, but I was going to do a training, which I normally did with a, with a group of Myanmar people. Mm-hmm. But it was for a Swedish organization that traveled from Sweden to attend this workshop. And they were the ones sponsoring the workshop. So I was a little bit surprised when I started the training and I realized that it was like four or five Swedes that were going to participate yeah and I was like okay but that's that's cool but you still feel a little bit more like I don't know you're more like checked out by your own culture right yeah or more judged yeah. in, a, in a sense right it's okay okay I have to do this really well and a lot of the training was in the beginning like I was asking people to kind of self-select into different groups mm-hmm. so it'd be, be like everybody with long hair walk over there kind of an icebreaker yeah yeah type thing yeah. we didn't mm-hmm. do long hair but you know these kind of different <laughs> everyone with long blonde hair <laughs> can you please come over here <laughs> everybody looks like me no but I just couldn't come up with what was the first thing that we said yeah. right but different kind of um ways of people to divide themselves and then people basically we had to we did one where which was dividing into whether you're a woman or a man mm-hmm. so divide into group of women and men and I see the Swedes start to look at me like they have something a little bit hostile in the <laughs> way that they're looking at me but you know we're continuing and the Myanmar people are super happy with, with the exercise and we're moving on right yeah and then we start to have like a debrief with people, with all of them in the room, right? Sitting together. Mm-hmm. And the Swedes, being very direct, start to raise their hands. And they are super uncomfortable with this exercise because they were like, what about people that identify as transgender? <laughs> like, how could you do this? You know, how can you ask people to like divide into women and men? And I was shocked by the question yeah and maybe I shouldn't have been right like yeah. maybe but yeah. it's and it's so like part of kind of how we think in Sweden and, and in Myanmar that hadn't really been part of my thinking for you know it wouldn't have been an issue it doesn't mean that it you know I shouldn't have thought about it mm. but it was really like and they were kind of angry and hostile <laughs> about it that's how I felt anyways I'm like oh God, this is so complicated. Can you yeah. stop being so Swedish and so politically correct <laughs> about this? Like, it was just a divide. It was just an icebreaker, right? Yeah, and people are okay to divide into women and men here, you know? Like, yeah. anyways, it was very politically correct. And I had clearly lost kind of the Swedish cues about how to speak about those things yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and then you get kind of even more disappointed when when it happens and you know you should know but then you don't or you forgot or you realized etc yeah and I also think and one more point on that is that I think that with your own culture 
and or gender. Yeah. I think I sometimes have higher expectations that they will understand my needs or my point of view. Yeah. And I'll become even more frustrated when they don't. When and, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, when I don't feel understood or, or when there's a clash. Um, so you have to work, I think, a bit more with your own expectations when you have the reversed culture shock or when yeah. you're you know, coming home. Definitely. Concluding it or summing it all up, I would say, I think you agree with me, but the world would in a way be better place if we understood each other a little bit better. If we spend more time understanding, learning, challenging the way we think are the way to do it. And, and by traveling and experiencing other cultures, that's a great way of actually doing it, right? Yeah. Of learning, uh -huh. growing. Absolutely. And therefore, also I would want to say to everyone who's listening and the cool thing which we've mentioned before, but we have listeners now from 60 different countries. Oh, wow. It's up to 60. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. please, I mean, do join our global community because we do think we can make some great things. So go into our homepage, which is www ruse and shine so r o o s and shine so like flirting with the rise and shine right mm -hmm. so ruseandshine.com and join a community and anyone can join the community which is kind of just getting newsletters and being part of it all but you can also opt in to join a club if you wish and the clubs if you do opt in for that you'll get more information And right now we have a lot of people from the UK asking to join clubs. So we will be going out with requests so we have enough people from enough towns to join clubs. So if you're interested to join a Roos and Shine club that will be part of the larger community, please go and join us on our homepage or join our Instagram account, Roos and Shine. Right? Absolutely. Could not agree more. <laughs> Join <laughs> us and we'll see you uh, next week. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.